while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. This is uh, Jack Spillane sitting in for Chris and um, Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow tonight on South Coast Tonight. Uh, this is my solo flight at, at night. I filled in a couple of times for Tim Weisberg uh, in the mornings, but this will be my first uh, solo flight. So hopefully I'll do well. I hope I have a good show for you tonight. I have um, a longtime uh, friend of mine and um, person I've covered in, in politics, former mayor, New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang. And I invited him on tonight because I wanted to talk about um, the story that was in the New York Times about nuclear fission and what that might mean for the um, wind turbine industry and the future of energy in this country. So we'll go right to Scott now. Welcome, Scott. Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, this is my solo flight, so I, I appreciate you. Um, my first nighttime solo flight, so I appreciate you uh, uh, helping me out here. And uh, it's always good to hear from you. Same here, Jack. Thanks for asking me. And I was just on the other day, so I hope that I'm not uh, wearing out my welcome at the station. I do want to say, though, that when you say first nighttime flight, is this like a Lindbergh or is this like an Alan Shepard? Is this suborbital or is this a John Glenn complete orbital? What kind of flight? Well, I think we're going to find out uh, what kind of flight it is. Um, (laughs) Exactly. Hopefully it's uh, uh, not quite a Lindbergh um, and certainly not quite an Alan Shepard, but... but, um, Maybe a, a, a successful Jack Spillane right, right. flight for yes. something to do to entertain myself in my retirement. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you're on the radio, Jack, and I'm sure that Chris and Marcus are happy to have you uh, subbing for them. And I, I well, know um, you're gracious to ask me, and I'm happy to uh, be involved and help for this half. Uh, I guess you have three hours, so I'm, I'm going to be with you in the beginning, right? So yeah. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Uh, so I have you for the, the uh, during the first hour, and then Bill Strauss the second hour. He was uh, good enough Great. to do it for me, and then I'll I'll have to rely on the callers for the third hour. So we'll see how that goes. I'm going to ask hour, you, Scott, Bill and I'll keep calling in. That's all. You'll be all set. <laughs> yeah, maybe my family members and friends. Uh, yeah, uh, Scott, I'm going to ask you to speak up a little bit because you um, uh, sure. are a soft-spoken guy, and, and I'm told that the levels are supposed to be at a certain place, and maybe I just don't sure. have you high enough um but i i i'm happy where they told me that you're supposed to be so okay. um scott we have been talking a long time about the um coming wind turbine industry in new bedford and what that might mean for the burden on fishermen having to change their routes and as they go out to sea and you and i have talked about this coming technology on nuclear fission and what that might mean for clean energy going forward and um and how that might affect uh, uh, wind turbines and also New Bedford's uh, future. And so I was surprised, well, not really surprised, because MIT had announced um, a few months ago that they had had a breakthrough. And then we had this New York Times story this week that the Livermore Laboratories in California had had a breakthrough in the way that, um, and nuclear fission is a clean nuclear energy where they, they the, the 
electrons, if I understand it correctly, collide in a way that just produces this energy. And it's not ready to be deployed tomorrow, but it seems like it might be on its way. I think so. And I, I think, you know, I've been talking about something that I refer to as energy in a cup, which is uh, fusion. And fusion, not to be confused with fission. Fission is basically what we have now in nuclear uh, plants where we end up with a radioactive waste. Uh, fusion is something which does not produce any radioactivity, and actually it's sustainable, ever-continuing. There is no waste, and it's uh, how the sun basically uh, uh, powers the universe, and or powers our solar system, rather, I'm sorry. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's a breakthrough. If people, uh, I, I think the best way to describe this is uh, this is the equivalent of uh, a rotary phone, uh, and now our cell phones that we carry around that have computers in them. Uh, burning, we've been burning things since we were cavemen, and we have uh, now suffered the consequence with global warming and climate change and severe weather. Uh, we need to act very quickly on this, basically to uh, save our our planet the way we. Uh, we, the way we've known it, in which generations before and generations after will, we've got to get a handle on, on the warming and the weather, and the uh, you know the carbon emissions. Uh, fusion will do this, and it will uh, it will be the major breakthrough. We've had major breakthroughs in in medicine. You know, we used to put leeches on people's necks. Now we have you know the modern mo- marvel of medicine, and it with the RNA and all the different things they're dealing now, it's it's a matter of time before they really, and the crisping and things, it's a matter of time where they make another major breakthrough in medicine. We've had a transportation breakthrough. You know, we used to, it's basically walking and then, and then the wheel, and then flight went from, you know, Wright Brothers all the way, World War I, rapidly accelerated flight. Next thing you know, you have the flight today. We have space flight. Um, talking about going back to the moon, going to Mars. I mean, it's that kind of dramatic change from, you know, sailing from here to England. And now, you know, soon, hopefully, uh, we'll get back to an SST type of uh, uh, modality or, or, or uh, you know, a type of airplane, and we'll end up going to England in, you know, a matter of three or four hours versus versus having spent, you know, the pilgrims coming here on, on uh, you know, ships, and it took months. So... Things are moving very quickly. Communication, it was uh, the sound of our voice and the sound of drums or the smoke signals, whatever, and then the printing press. Um, you know, you've reached the point where uh, you had breakthrough with telegraph, then radio, then TV, then the Internet. But you and I right now, if you wanted to, I could say, let's talk to someone in Melbourne, Australia, on the you know, on the radio show tonight, just like that, instantaneously, simultaneously with us talking, they would talk. Uh, I think we're going to have that breakthrough with energy. I think we're, we're going to go from burning to a situation where we have a clean energy. It's going to resolve some major issues. It'll resolve climate. It'll also resolve, I think, uh, economic disparity in a lot of ways between countries. I think that the, the wars will be fought over, you know, a country saying we're going to burn 25 cents Per, per barrel oil, and we're going to say, no, 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 we can give you fusion. We can help you set that technology up. You don't have to burn anything again. 
you'll be able to come into a modern era, the most modern era that we know of right now, anyway, of energy. And I, I think that's where we're headed. And I think what this does, by the way, there are dozens of companies around the country and around the world, several dozen, who are working on uh, fusion and working on practical implication of fusion, to turning it into producing energy for our use. And uh, it's only a matter of time now before they make these leaps and bounds. You and I remember the day when someone came in. Well, first of all, if someone came to school carrying what looks like right now an Apple phone or an Apple watch or or a uh, Samsung you know, watch or Google watch or Google phone, and they came in when we were kids in school, we would laugh and say, what's that? What toy did you get that from? What toy store did that come from? Now it's it, the kids are born with this. The kids, you know, two, three-year-old kids are running these things. That's the same type of light, you know, light year type of uh, progress that that will be made. Yeah. We when how I was at the eighty-eight convention, I'll just finish. When I was at the eighty-eight convention, people were walking around with cell phones that were in suitcases. Ten years later, it was a, it was a little flip phone, and ten years after that, it was the phone that we know of today. In twenty years completely revolutionized everything, wireless phones. That's what will happen with Fusion. Once the private sector gets involved, it's going to begin to move quickly. So first off, thank you for correcting me on my fission and fusion. Um, uh, It's clear why I um, was a marginal science uh, student at at, at best. Uh, It is nuclear fusion that we're researching as clean energy and and not fission. But Scott, how how soon do you think this could come and how would it affect the um, wind turbine industry? Is the wind turbine industry needed as a transition or should we try to hold out a little bit longer until the, the uh, fusion comes? So, so I think that's a great, I think that's a great question. And I think uh, alternative energy comes in many different sources. And we know that, uh, you know, I eschewed wind, land-based wind when I was mayor and chose solar, and we were in the top 10 per capita in solar uh, generation, the city of New Bedford, because we basically went all in on solar panels. I believe one day that every house will be its own energy generator, you know, because they'll, your roof, your siding, your windows, everything will generate through solar power. So that, I think, is a solid alternative energy. I don't think wind is a solid alternative energy either on land or at sea because of the the trade-off that you have, the, the amount of money that you spend to produce them, erect them, their half-life, which means how long they, uh, they'll actually work, uh, the idea that you have to boost their energy uh, transmission fairly dramatically, so it's a whole different set of, set of infrastructure. And I think out at sea, the environmental impact, I think, that it's, I think the fishing industry, but as far as I'm concerned, the, the number one industry in New Bedford is fishing. So the question is, do we do a transition for wind for a period of time while we're waiting for fusion? Or do we say the cost of putting up wind right now um, regarding the cost of the fishing industry, let alone the actual monetary cost, but the cost of the fishing industry, the known effects and the unknown effects is something that we probably ought to go very, very slowly on. Um, the, the route is one thing to get out to the the open water that that's one thing that's a safety issue that's you know that's a economic issue the more important issue is the habitat uh effect that the construction will have on the 
ocean habitat. If if you and I said let's buy a fishing boat and let's go out there and and uh, you know we'll go out with a bigger dredge or we'll go out with a bigger with a bigger drag net, um, we'd have to have it permitted. It would take an awful long time for the government to study the environmental impact on the habitat, which means the ocean floor, before they allowed us to do it. Boehm has given the wind companies a blank check. So when you when you ask them at the habitat committee meetings, which I've attended regularly, and it's easy for anyone to attend now because it's on Zoom, they don't know what the effect on the habitat's going to be, on the fish fishery species is going to be. No one is able to weigh in on it with any kind of authority and say what the effect is going to be of basically putting up the equivalent of World Trade Towers, you know, 1,300 of them across the East Coast, or, or 150 of them, whatever it's going to be, outside of Massachusetts. They know it's going to wreak havoc. Uh, that, that's without the cables. That's without the transmitting stations. It's, it's, uh, it's a project that if you said, let's do this on land, no one would raise their hand and say, yeah, why don't you do it near, you know, in our community? Why don't you do it near us? Um, there'll be a few people who may see it, but both of all of us basically will be out of sight, out of mind. We won't know what's going on out there. But the government, uh, you know, the government has not assured us and said this is not going to be something that'll have a dramatic uh, negative impact on the fishing industry. And that's why I think New Bedford needs to look at this, you know, in a, in, with a, with a clearer eye. The fishing industry provides thirteen billion dollars plus of an economic driver in New Bedford. I have no idea what wind is going to provide, but it's not going to be anywhere near that, anywhere near that. The jobs that the fishing industry provides are, you know, thousands of jobs. I've seen anything. When I was mayor, we talked about, you know, four to 5,000. I've seen now people say that it's six to 7,000 jobs, and the spinoff of that is, you know, is greater. Wind industry is never going to provide that for New Bedford ever. So why would we mortgage the fishing industry for wind. Now, one reason would be because the earth is, you know, we're, we're going to all melt. But the, on the other hand, if we're if wind is going to be obsolete before it's up, before it's up and running, wind will be obsolete. Uh, why would we do this? Why would we take a chance on our fishing industry? Now, we're only one city, one port, but we have a hell of a lot of clout because everything we do that, that involves the ocean, the government strictly regulates. So why wouldn't the wind industry be regulated the same way before they would take a chance with it? Uh, it, it seems to me, if you drill, you know we get we get all kinds of damages if if uh, if if uh, they would allow drilling off the East Coast. And I think at one point Trump was thinking that it's less of an impact to argue let's drill than it is to put up wind because they they slow walked wind every way they could. Uh, but I think it was really because they felt somehow they would be able to make a legitimate argument that look if we really need energy and we we fa you know we favor fossil fuel type exploration it's less uh, of an impact less dramatic to you know go out there with with an oil rig than it is to do the construction that uh, is required for a a wind tower so uh, your question is well do you, do I think it has an effect that this announcement has an effect on the wind industry I definitely think it is especially when the wind industry right now is arguing that they need more money through, you know, through the ratepayers, and, and two companies have said, can we hold off on our final submission until we see if we can get more money? Um, so I think, I think the economics starts to come into play. The other thing that I think uh, happens here is that if the, if the people of New Bedford understand that this win may be a short-term fix, 
And on the other hand, you may have a long-term solution. Why would we mortgage, you know, our, our heritage industry, our traditional industry, our cultural-based injury, which, industry, which is the fishing industry, for something that is uh, the next great thing and then will soon be forgotten? Uh, if you and I had invested in 8-track tapes right now, we'd be sitting there with a couple of boxes of 8-track tapes saying we lost a lot of money. I think that's what will happen with wind. All right, so I, I want to ask you where we go next um, when we come back, but I have to go to a, a little break for three or four minutes to do some commercials. I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll we'll talk in a few minutes. Thanks, Chuck. Listen to us live. And We're back. This is Jack Spillane sitting in for Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow on South Coast Tonight, and former New Bedford Mayor Scott Lang is my guest. And um, Scott, we've been talking about nuclear fusion and um, uh, how it really made just change the whole energy landscape. And we've also been talking about what do we do in New Bedford in the meantime when we have these issues with uh, wind, uh, wind turbines that may help the city somewhat but maybe hurt the fishing industry so much that it, it endangers another industry. So the state is kind of um, uh, a little ways down the line on, on this as well as the city, the the the, the, the um, Projects have two or three of them have been awarded, although they're having trouble getting financing now with um, the, the changes in the economy. What what do we do? We, we had today we were just about to tear down the Cannon Street power plant for another staging center. What what do we do at this point? So so that, first of all, the idea that we're tearing down the old Cannon Street power plant is a great thing. If if anything, at some point or another, everyone will say thank you, Wynn, for the the idea that we finally got that thing. Um, cleared off. And Andrew Saunders did a great job on that. I think it's terrific, and that's going to be a great piece of land to develop, either with a uh, with a NOAA partner or with an educational partner or with a mixed-use on the back, waterfront development on the front, you know, 90, Section 91, uh, or Chapter 91, rather, type of project. So that, that'll be the only great thing about this. The Oceanarium didn't take it down. The proposed casino didn't take it down. The, the, the wind proposal is taking it down. That's a great thing for the city. So thank you very much, Wind, on that one. Yeah. As far as... And there's, there's the, nothing else going to be built there except for the um, flat bulkhead surface. So you won't right. have to worry about tearing anything else down that much. Right. It's the best, right? It's the best. And, and, the, and the granite building, that was the original Edison power plant, stays. So it's perfect. So, uh, And I know that that was... If you haven't said it, but that was probably as important as any as any building in the city for you. So I think that's a great thing. So... Here, here's what I think, that um, wind has gone around to every community, spread out a little bit of money, opened up offices in Salem, uh, Quincy, um, <clears throat> Quonset Point, Bradenton Point, down in, uh, down in the Cape and Hyannis. So they've tried to plant a flag, and with everyone, it's the music man is here, the music man's coming, and this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. It'll be the greatest thing that ever happened to you. Uh, you divide all these jobs up. You know, they say there's going to be a thousand jobs, whatever. The ten ports, what everybody's going to get a hundred, whatever. It's not efficient to do it. But Bradenton Point has an awful lot of acreage, and Quonset Point in Rhode Island is the king of acreage around here, and is set up in a way that you could actually do large-scale ocean projects, which I'm completely against. But it, they could, because of their effect on what I think the habitat, the fisheries, and the fishing industry would be. So the idea that somehow New Bedford with 40 acres, or not, not even 40 at this point, 30-something acres, they're still trying to 
uh, you know, accumulate more acreage. It's going to somehow compete with massive, massive acreage that's needed, that's, that's shown to be needed in Europe, that's shown to be needed because of the size. Anyone who thinks that this is an industry that New Bedford can accommodate uh, ought to remember the day that they tried to bring a wind blade down a Cushnet Avenue. And that was, you know, when, when the elephants used to come into town and have uh, the parade by the Standard Times building, that would stop traffic. And it should stop traffic. And then they, they also had the acrobats, and they had it set up that someone would run a bike or whatever across a wire from, you know, one building to the Standard Times building. You bring a blade through the city of New Bedford, you might as well shut down the city or knock down everything that the blade, you know, is going by. We don't have the size, the scale. We don't have the ability, the land mass, to be involved in a major way in assembly, uh, in any type of in any type of uh, day-to-day construction work. Maybe we'd get some maintenance work, but Hyannis has already been told that they're getting the maintenance. Salem's been told that they're getting construction. Bradenton Point's been told they're getting construction. Quonset is getting ready. They're building service roads now in Quonset to, to begin this new boom. But the fact of the matter is that there hasn't been, other than perhaps the money that they've spread around, to tell people that, you know, you got to be out there and tell people this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. But other than that money, there really hasn't been a ton of money that you couldn't pay people back for their prospecting. So if someone someone bought a lease off, off of uh, the Jersey Coast and they paid $1.4 that's a drop in the bucket to save the earth. We wouldn't even think twice about that as far as saving that environment. So I think somehow you got to try and begin to put this back in a bottle. I don't know that there's any interim purpose to put wind up and then say in in 15 20 years we're going to decommission it because there's no money in any of the proposals that have been made to the government that has money to take it down so every environmentalist that's that's leading the charge on this should look in the mirror and say wait a minute what are we doing what has god wrought here what are we doing are we really serious about mortgaging the oceans and using and using, you know, the the logic is, uh, you know, is that well, uh, this is so important because global warming uh, must be combated. Uh, you want to combat global warming? Turn this into a Manhattan Project. Turn this into a moonshot. Have Bohm concentrate on getting fusion going. There are. You mentioned you mentioned uh, MIT. You mentioned the the uh, Livermore uh, Lab Project. But every major university that, you know, we've heard before, whether it's Princeton, whether it's over in UK, whether it happens to be Los Alamos, you know, which is a nuclear facility, everyone is working on this. Let's grab everybody together. They only have right now, as I understand it, about $5 billion of private money that's gone into this. And they've made this stride where they basically are saying, we think within 10 years we can get this thing up and running. Can you imagine what would happen if you start putting some real money into this and saying this is the key? No more. We'll still have wars, but no one's going to hold oil or gas as a hostage over the world saying, well, we won't supply you unless you do what we say or unless you succumb to what we're telling you you've got to do. Change the game. Are, are there any, the game um, can be changed. Are there any issues with um, you know, the materials that they need uh, for nuclear processes uh, the availability of that? Uh, I don't think there's any any issue that they... I, I'm, first of all, Jack, I think yes. I think, of course, like in anything, whether it, whether it's, you know, building the wind blades or building building the towers, building the cables, 
getting fusion going. I mean, fusion is not for the fun of it, right? You're talking about something that we're basically taking the power of the sun, putting it into a, uh, a box. I call it energy in a cup, but it's probably energy in a box, and probably something as big as my office building would run, you know, southeastern mass without even thinking about it. But they've got to develop all those different materials and, and put it into commercial type of uh, use and be able to produce it. But they're not going to do it. If they do it incrementally for the fun of it, and these are science experiments, uh, you and I, you know, unless, unless we uh, are cloned, we'll never see this. But if they get it going like anything else, like, like when they said, okay, we need rare, uh, rare earth materials, uh, minerals, things like this, if they focus on what they need to do, you marshal all the all the enterprise that we have and, and the ingenuity and the and the uh, knowledge that we have, scientific knowledge that we have, work with other countries that are working on it as well. UK and France are, you know, working as quickly as us, but we've got the first major breakthrough. We should capitalize it on it and get it going. But in the meantime in the meantime, why would you endanger the number one fishing port? And I know people say, Well it, yeah, but that's by that's by you know, by capital, by numbers that come in, by, by uh, value. We are the number one fishing port, period. We are, you know, we're based on the ocean. What, what makes New Bedford different is our ocean presence and, and the ability to have used the ocean throughout our, you know, our, throughout our history. The idea now that the ocean is going to be defoiled doesn't make sense. If anything, New Bedford should be saying, slow this down. Let's make sure that we don't do anything to endanger our economy, which is based on the ocean and the fishing industry. And let's stop this nonsense that New Bedford once lit the world around, you know, whaling, and now we're going to light the world around wind. We're, if, if anything, we're a footnote in it to begin with. They've already promised it to everybody, including us. If, if wind did come to me and said, okay, we're really going to get this thing ramped up and this is it and, you know, there's no other alternatives... What I would have said was, well, we have one thing that would be tremendous use to you. We have uh, very hardworking people. We have very, very industrious, brilliant people. We've got the university down the block. We have SMAS uh, down, down the block. And we have a ton of mill space. So we will be the brain center for alternative energy. We, we have that space. We could fill, you know, whatever it might be, 250 500,000, a million square feet based on engineering, based on design, based on, you know, people, people uh, being uh, at the forefront of how you create an alternative energy, uh, you know, sector. But to have New Bedford be in a situation where we're saying, okay, that South Terminal was supposed to be a multi-purpose ocean terminal. The only thing it's been used for up until now is a scrap metal site and has been used for having the sonic, uh, and, uh, the sonic uh, research vessels going in and out of the place. Uh, we don't, it's not as if we've invested so much money in X, Y, or Z that how do we get out of this now? We can get out of it easy by, by honoring the fishing industry, saying we're not going to do anything to endanger you, and by slowing the thing down and advocating for the fishing industry. The greatest thing in the world is that I understand the uh, six states or seven states have said, we, we think that the fishing industry should get reparations as a result of, uh, as a result, went to boom recently and said, we think the fishing industry should get reparations because we think it's really going to have a disastrous effect on the fishing industry and, and 
cause tremendous economic hardship. The answer to that is not reparations, it's damages. And Bohm's answer was, we don't have that in our, in our charge. We don't have that on enabling, energy, uh, enabling legislation to be able to do that. You, you look at that and you say, well, is this a joke? You know, this... Yeah. I, 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 I see your points, and, and, and I, especially the one about, do we, we really want to trade in the, the most lucrative fishing industry in the, world, in the, in the country for um, uh, something that is, uh, we're not exactly sure where it's going to go. But I think in the, in the interest of, of journalistic fairness, I, I, I should point out that other people have a different point of view on this, uh, Mayor John Mitchell or um, Andrew Saunders or any of our, the representatives of the um, uh, uh, wind turbine uh, companies that uh, hope to work with New Bedford are welcome to come on at a, at a future date, and I'm, I'm, I'll give them equal amount of time. But, uh, Scott, do we, I, would, do we I, would, I, I think any, that's very um, important, Jack. I think, I think that's extremely important. I, and I also think that um, I'll be all ears. I, I will be all ears. I want to hear what their rationale is on this one. Now, by the way, I wouldn't put Andrew in that, uh, Andrew Saunders in that mix, because I think Andrew has, uh, Andrew's under, understands that there may be a fusion plant down there at some point. There may, you know, there may be a NOAA site. There may be whatever. That clearing land doesn't necessarily mean that we, we've dedicated it to wind, okay, in any way. But, but I think. Well, my understanding is that he's been in negotiations with the wind turbine company, so he must think that there is a, a chance for success. Uh, does New Bedford have a an agreement with Mayflower? I think the first one that it would have to get out of. Uh, well, I, I put it this way: I I have no idea what the agreements are. I don't think the public knows. I think the public ought to know it, and I, we ought to know what we're what we're doing. I mean, first of all, the the number one priority right now for the harbor, it seems to me, is a new bridge, and I think the mayor. Any Mayor Mitchell is is uh, pushing hard for that, and I completely uh, agree. You need, if you're going to take advantage of the Upper Harbor, you got to have a new bridge. Um, but it's not. None of this is predicated on New Bedford having wind in the harbor. New Bedford is a busy enough har- harbor between commercial, uh, fishing, recreational. Uh, we don't. New Bedford Harbor is not going to make it or break it if we get some wind vessels in here one way or the other. The biggest wind vessels can't come in here. They're going to be in New, in New London. So, I mean, you know, the whole idea that somehow we're going to be the, set, the epicenter of wind is, uh, is just a fallacy. But I, I'd love to hear someone come on and explain this and how they're risking the fishing industry, rolling the dice for the wind industry. It's, it's you know, again, when from the oceanarium, we don't. We don't need hail mary passes. You know, let's build an economy slowly, step by step, uh, around things that we understand, know, and 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 have a pretty good bet on. You know, betting with people's uh, financial future doesn't seem to me to make a lot of sense. And and the icing on the cake is why you asked me to come on. They announced last Friday, I believe, or last Saturday morning, they just made a breakthrough that's equivalent to to come here, Watson. Or what hath God wrought, or you know, one small step for mankind in energy. That's what they just did. This is not like, gee, maybe if they figured out for the first time, they've been able to figure out. And, and by the way, I'm looking at a report that says this has been done with mag- magnetic, uh, yeah. a magnetic uh, centrifuge. It's been done now with a laser. They're getting there. And once you give them some money to do it, they will get there. Okay. Well, we have to get to another break right now. And I've got to put you on hold. And I have a few more questions. And I also want to talk about 
Governor Charlie Baker going to the end and NCAA. I know you're going to have some opinions on that. So we'll be back in a few minutes. 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. If you own a... WBSM isn't just a broadcast, it's also a podcast. Get all of our podcasts at WBSM.com, the WBSM app, or just search WBSM on your favorite podcast provider. Before you call him a man How many seas must the white dove sail Before she sleeps in the sand Isn't how many times must the cannonballs fly Before they're forever banned The answer, my friend is blowing in the wind the answer is blowing in the wind all right we're back with uh former mayor scott lang scott since i made you listen to all those commercials i figured that i i should uh give you a little folk music uh to bridge you over that's great i i, I still think we ought to do a uh we i have nothing to do with it, but i think the station with uh chris and marcus and guests i'd want to be on i'm sure you would we're uh we spin records <laughs> once in a month or something it'd be great fun let people call in request records that'd be great yeah i think that's a wonderful idea and i i think there's so many different things tim weisberg is doing a lot of different creative things um with his morning show uh i think it doesn't have to be all politics all the time i'd love to have them spin records right. at least if they did some oldies uh which is what i like to listen to oh yeah we, we could do it by decades you know it'd be fun it would be a lot of fun um so, Jack, before you ask me anything else or tell me anything, I just want to say, I know you've got Bill Strauss coming on again. want to tell him, great job on the train, great job as transportation chair in the House, and the entire delegation who came together and have delivered South Coast Rail, which uh, Freetown Station has been completed. There was a ribbon cutting. The governor came down, lieutenant governor, on the train, cut the ribbon, Next year at this time, we'll all be riding the train. And uh, that's going to be something that is uh, extremely important for our area and begins to connect our area with uh, with the train system that's going to be developed in the state. So it's a good thing. But I want to thank them, all the delegation, and I want to thank Bill for that. Uh, absolutely. It, it really, it, it's just hard to believe it's actually happening. And, and for all the criticism and all the um, uh second guessing that has gone on over the years i think that the fact that they finally delivered it you know it may not be perfect but it, it, it's going to get us in the ball game and it really is uh in my opinion to the credit of bill strauss uh in the entire delegation but bill billy has been the the co-chair of that transportation committee for a long time so it's to his absolutely credit. bill 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 has has uh knows every inch of the track and, and just did a great job so I, I should say that this segment we're in is a three-minute segment, uh, and I have to go back to commercials again, so I apologize for that, but that's commercial radio. I'm trying to hit my marks. But before we – so uh, there's two things I want to ask you, uh, and I'll, I'll do the uh, Charlie Baker question in the next segment. But the, the fir- first is um, uh, in Europe, they have had wind turbines with fishing industry for a long time. Do you have any information as to how it's worked over there? 
Well, I've, I've, I've always, you know, everyone asks that question, and the, the answer is there, there's no answer to it because the fishing industry indicates that they, things have dramatically changed. The wind industry says, no, it's perfect coexistence. Uh, it may be too soon to determine, and there may not be enough of them to determine exactly how it affects uh, the fishing industry, but I've never heard a fisherman get up and say, wind and fishing is compatible. And I know that the fishing industry in New Bedford and I, and I firmly believe that wind and the fishing industry is not compatible uh, in any way. In any, the offshore wind industry is not compatible with fishing in any way. And I think that's, that's the stand of the New Bedford fishing fleet. Yeah, it, it has been. And um, we're going to have to find out. I think that there is some evidence that, that um, at least right around the turbine, some types of, of marine life flourish. But how it, how it affects the roots and how it affects the overall temperature and, and um, different things that can affect the fishery, we don't know. Yeah. And, and uh, there is an argument that it's a big risk. Well, you no, know, and I've, I've had, look, uh, electric eels probably flourish very well next to a wind turbine. But I'll tell you this now, that the, uh, uh, there's no scientist that, tell, that gives you a dispositive answer on it, and most of them say be very cautious. Uh, but otherwise, all the habitat rules should go out the window because they're, they're going to be ripping up that ocean floor like never before. And we go with a 48-inch dredge for clamming or a 6-foot dredge or an 8-foot dredge for uh, dragging. Or, or we go with, it with, with a, uh, a scallop dredge and they immediately say, no, you're ripping up the bottom. This is, this is uh, you know, uh, endangered habitat or this is habitat that's critical. Therefore, you can't fish here. So how Boom is saying, yeah, this all makes sense. And I think it violates um, Magnuson-Stevens. I think that the fishery councils are way behind the eight ball on this. They've admitted it at their habitat meetings that they should have been looking at this four, five, six years ago to try and determine uh, the effect of this rather than just saying, okay, we're, we're going to examine it after. They've never done that in any other way. Since 1978, they've never said, let's examine the after effect of fishing. They've always said, well, we'll take three or four years and study it, and we'll let you know if you can do it. So the, the whole idea of this is, is backwards. I don't know if it's a, if it's a you know, a rush to fool's gold. I'm not sure what it is, but it doesn't make any sense. All right. I've got to go to this last break, and we'll be back to talk to Charlie Baker in a few minutes. About Charlie Baker. What's up, for one minute with uh, Mayor Scott, former Mayor Scott Lang, who's been good enough to be my guest for the whole hour. We uh, did a deep dive into um, the issue of nuclear fusion and how it might affect um, the burgeoning, uh, possibly burgeoning New Bedford wind industry. Uh, I played all my commercials, so I don't have to worry about losing the, the station any money. But I did want to uh, ask you, um, Scott, because I know you're a basketball fan, about uh, Governor Charlie Baker's uh, new job with the N- NCAA. So I, I like I like uh, Governor Baker. I think he'll do. That's a big job right now because of name, image, and likeness, which you could do a whole show on. Which means that amateur athletes are going to about to be paid. And right now, there's really no regulation on it. And the NCAA is going to have to figure it out quickly, or the whole NCAA, uh, you know, league uh, leagues that are established are wide open. <laughs> 